around us or how marriage is actually being redefined in our society and culture, we can start to have a uh, critical and cynical look of marriage, and I think that's very wrong as Christians for us to do. We have to maintain a positive view because marriage is God's plan and God's design. And thirdly, I think that all of us can learn something from today, and that is this, is that selfishness is the ruin of all relationships. Selfishness is the ruin of all relationships. And we need to learn that and get that in our hearts here this morning. But, and you have your Bibles in Ephesians 5, and uh, we're going to start reading in verse number 22, actually verse number 21. And the Bible says to us, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives even as their own bodies." He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no, man yet ever, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Those are the verses that we're going to be looking at today. We obviously won't be able to go through every single one of them and diagram them out for you today, but we're hopefully we're going to see two messages that go right hand in hand uh, as they should of husband and wife. Let's take a moment to pray and ask God to help us today in this hour. Our Father, Lord, we are thankful and appreciative that, God, we can meet together today in your house with your people. And we ask that, Lord, you please would give us wisdom and direction as we look to your word this morning and help us all, Lord, to gather good information, good help, but not just information and help, but, Lord, may we Grab something here today that we may apply to our daily lives that we may be able to take with us throughout the rest of this week and throughout the rest of our lives to improve our relationships, but most of all, Lord, to have a greater and more fulfilled walk with Jesus Christ. May, Lord, we desire to give you glory and obedience above all things in our lives. We'll give you the praise and glory for it all. And Father, let me just take a moment too to talk to you about these folks that are sick and that have lost loved ones. We pray, Lord, for Leslie and her family that, God, you would comfort and strengthen the family at this time. Encourage them. I don't know all, I don't know all of the family, Lord. I don't know if they're all saved or all not, Lord. I don't know. But perhaps there is some there that are lost and during this time that, God, you would please... Soften their hearts to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that, Lord, you please would just comfort Leslie. 
comfort this other family that has just had a premature child. And I pray that Ava, Lord, would be able to grow and to develop in the way that God, you intended her to do so. We pray for Pastor Evans that you would heal him and help him with his back surgery tomorrow. We ask that you please will help our vacation Bible school to go well. And that, Lord, it will be a blessing and souls will be saved. Lord, help Alex today, too, and give him grace as he preaches the word this week. Well, thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to go with the order of Ephesians 5.33. It says there in 5.33, it says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. That'll be in our order today, so we'll deal with husbands first and wives second. In our order here, he says in verse 33, he says, nevertheless. Why does he say that? Well, he's pointing out something here to us. He's teaching us something that in this great account that he gives to us of husbands and wives, he also brings out what he says is a great mystery, a great mystery. And a mystery was something that was unknown up until this very point. And the mystery was this, is that there would be a relationship between Christ and his church and the husband and the wife. These two would be brought out in this uh, particular passage that is in front of us here today. And he gives us some great doctrine on this, that the gospel itself is related to this husband and wife relationship that just as the husband and wife are one, so the church in Christ is one. And just as men ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, so Christ himself, he loved us uh, as his own self. He died for us. He sacrificially gave over his life for our life. And that's the kind of love that he's talking of that a man is supposed to have for his wife. And then he says in verse 27 that Christ is going to cleanse his church. He's going to present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. But he says in verse number 33, he says, lest you get too carried away with the illustration that I'm trying to give for you here, nevertheless, uh, don't forget that a, uh, every one of you in particular, so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. We can only begin to truly understand the doctrine of the husband and wife as we begin to understand our relationship with Christ and the church. And we're going to point out, first of all, some certain general principles that we have here in our passage. And uh, one of the secrets to success in life, no matter what area or field that you're having, that you're going to be in, is that you have the ability to think. The ability to think. Success, a lot of time, is dependent upon somebody using the mind that God has given them. And if you're not willing to use the mind, the brain that God has given to you, then you're probably not going to be very successful in life. We, success is not so much measured by money or fame or riches, but rather is measured in more or less how you have used the faculties in which God has given you to the most and to your best ability. The secret of success here is to think and to understand, and nothing in a Christian life is going to happen automatically. Amen? You're not going to have a wonderful Christian marriage overnight just because you are Christians. That's not going to happen. Some people think that a Christian marriage means that two Christians get married, uh, but that does not necessarily a Christian marriage. 
A Christian marriage is a marriage that is focused and hinges upon the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It hinges and is focused upon the Word of God. It hinges and is focused upon prayer and upon Bible study. Salvation was immediate. Praise God. Amen. Salvation was not progressive. It was not something that took time. It was not something that uh, is something that uh, is over time, but rather it is something that happened immediately. The moment you called out to God and asked Him to save you, He saved you. Praise the Lord for that. But our sanctification is not like that. It is progressive. It is something that lasts throughout our whole entire life. And the trouble is this, is that the world around us does not want to think. And that sometimes as Christians, we don't want to think. And we're always, we sometimes are irrational. We think to ourselves that, you know what, I'm married to a Christian wife, I'm a Christian man, why can I not have a good marriage? Well, you need to think through some things. You need to have some instructions. You need to read what God says to do in order to have a successful Christian marriage. Also, let me point this out too, is that Ephesians chapter 5 is not written for unbelievers. Let us, none of us, think that, you know, you've got an unbelieving friend of yours or an unbelieving co-worker and uh, they're having a problem with their marriage. Uh, please do not take them to Ephesians chapter number 5, all right? That is not what they need. They do not need to say, you don't say, well, you need to be more submissive to your husband, you know, or you need to love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's not what you need to tell them. Uh, you might be able to give them some advice on some certain practical things that may apply to all people, but... The most important thing that you can give them is the gospel. Because the gospel is what changes people's lives. The gospel is what makes you a Christian. Uh, but uh, there is a worldview of marriage. And the worldview of marriage is this. Uh, I'm in, I like this person. I love this person. Now, uh, the next general step in this equation is that, well, in our world society, is that we live together. And then after we live together for some time, then if we still are in love with each other, then maybe we'll uh, get married. Uh, that's, that's the general fault and worldview of marriage. And sadly, that's taking even place in some Christians and some, even some churches. Uh, I, know, I know of some churches very much like that, that just say, you know what, it's okay. Uh, you can live together, uh, that's all right, uh, just as long as uh, you love each other and things of that nature. Uh, but God says, no, that's wrong, that's not right. Uh, we need to understand that Christian marriage or that godly marriage or the right view of marriage is found in our scriptures. We must have a positive conception of marriage. We must look at marriage in a good way. The danger that we can think to ourselves is that we can lift marriage up into a way that it's not, entire, it's not supposed to be lifted up. But rather, marriage is a great analogy between Christ and the church. Therefore, we ought to have a good thinking about marriage. The more we grow in grace when our Lord and, with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the greater growth we can have in our marriage too. So the more you grow in grace, the more you mature in Christ, the more mature your marriage should become too. This is key for us. Whether you're married or not, have a positive and a good view of marriage. I can tell you right now, you can look around the world itself and say, man, marriage is ruined. Marriage is terrible. Uh, the Supreme Court ruined marriage, I forget what year it was, several years back. I mean, they ruined marriage. 
And uh, sadly, some people have such a low esteem of marriage that really the generation that is coming up behind the millennial generation is saying this, is that marriage is obsolete. We don't even need marriage anymore. Why even have marriage? What's the purpose? What's the point? Why even, why even uh, get involved and get tied up in this uh, legal matter that's going to cost me tens of thousands of dollars down the road in a divorce? Why even bother with such a ridiculous traditional thing that we should not even... I can just live with somebody. My friend, all of those kinds of views are low views of marriage. Low views. And they're not biblical views. They're not biblical views of relationships. And we need to have biblical views. The real failure in marriage today is selfishness. Really, that's the failure with all relationships. Is that selfishness is the ruin of all relationships. And if you think about marriage, what do you have? You have two selves. (laughs) Right? So you not just have one person, person that can be selfish, but you've got two, pers- two peoples that can be selfish. You've got selfishness multiplied. You have two autonomous, selfish individuals in a marriage. Guess what? You're going to have problems. That's why I read to you in our text this morning, Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 21. Sometimes I think that as commentators or as preachers or as teachers, they can get ahead of themselves and they talk about the husband and wife relationship and they miss verse number 21. What does it say? It says, submitting yourselves therefore one to another in the fear of God. Submitting yourselves therefore one to another. The whole point of Paul's marriage is that he's teaching unity. Unity. Let each esteem other Better than themselves, I believe he says in the book of Philippians. Let not every man look not, let not, look not every man upon his own na- things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We must end with this thinking that marriage, that there are two people in a marriage. Look back at your text. He says here in verse number 31, it says, For this call shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be what? One. One. One flesh. We must get rid of this false thinking. If we're going to have a successful marriage, we've got to think. And thinking requires us to see that there are no longer two people in a marriage, but rather there is only one individual. We've lost our self-identity in marriage. We lose ourself in marriage. It is no longer about me, but it is about her, or it is about him. These are just general principles that we ought to see, but selfishness destroys that. But love enlarges. Love always enriches, but selfishness does just the opposite. Selfishness always shrinks and shrivels up a marriage. We must not be selfish. I just recently, uh, you know, selfishness is this thought that, well, I've got my own ideas. I've got my own hobbies. I've got my own dreams. I just recently was talking to a man that was married for 30 years and his wife is wanting a divorce because she doesn't want to have to report in to her husband anymore. 
And she doesn't want to have to uh, say, well, I'm going here or I'm doing this. She doesn't want, she wants to be able to accomplish her own dreams. What has happened there? Selfishness. Selfishness is what has happened. And selfishness is the ruin of all relationships. And sadly, sometimes we as Christians can get in our minds these kinds of thoughts too. These are worldly thoughts, ungodly thoughts, and it shows out in marriages. We must look at marriage in a positive way, a good way. See it the way the Lord saw it. These are just some general principles that I'm laying out here before you. But secondly, let's look at some more detailed things. He says here in our text, look at what it says. It says in verse number 24, or excuse me, 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now look at verse 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man yet ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it, nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. The husband of the, rely, of the wife must begin to work out some of these things in his own heart. The husband must realize that he is no longer himself, but rather his wife is a part of him. Now, instinctively, you're not going to feel that way as a husband. Instinctively, when you get married, uh, you're not going to feel, hey, she is a part of me and I'm a part of her. No, you're still kind of living this two-self life. But as you grow in your marriage, it should become obvious to you that you are no longer yourself, but rather you should love her as your own bodies. Wives are not just partners. Or as, I, as you've heard it said before, she is my better half. You ever heard somebody say that before? That's a good statement. There's nothing wrong with that statement. That's a very good theological statement. She is my better half. She is part of me. She is part of who I am. And whenever we think as husbands, if we think in isolation... See, it all goes back to our thinking, all back to the way we think and do things, because what happens in the mind is worked out in our actions every single time. All of our, all of our thinking must include our wives. Do you do that, husbands? Do you let your, do you ever think, do you, everything you think through, do you process through the process of your wife? You're not to think in isolation. The moment that we put ourselves in isolation as a husband, we are immediately broken our marriage. What have we done? We have separated ourselves from our wife, and it's all about me. It's all about what I can do, what I can say, what I want to do in life. Actually, whenever you think without your wife in mind, you're actually hurting not only her, but you're also hurting yourself. Why? Because she's a part of you. That's why. She is your better half. The same is true about desires. Some men don't even think about their wives, but some men even go further than that. They think their wives are an encumbrance to them. They're a hindrance to them. They're annoying to them. Of course, a wife should not be that, but rather he should think of her as his own body. Now look here at that text right here. It's very interesting what he says. In verse number 28, it says, So men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He doesn't say like their own bodies. That's not what he means. It doesn't mean that I love Karis uh, like she is uh, my body. I treat her like I treat my body. That's not what it means. It means that as my body, she is my body. She is a part of me. 
Not as in the same way that you love your body. A man must love his wife as his body because she is a part of him. Just as Eve was a part of Adam. You see, this goes back to, this goes back to theological sense too. What happens here is what is Adam part of? Adam is part of, or excuse me, Eve was part of Adam. She took, he took the rib out, did he not? And made Eve. Eve, he says, to, he, says to, uh, he says in that moment, he says, she is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And that's exactly what happens in marriage. She becomes a part of you. No man hates his body. Anybody that hates his own body is an insane person. You're crazy. But when you hate your wife or if you do not like your wife, guess what? You also prove that you're crazy. Why? She's a part of you. She's your own flesh. She's who you are. And just, let's just run with that for a little bit. Think about that for a little bit. How, sh- how should a man not treat his wife? Well, a man should not abuse his wife. Amen? Amen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Should a man abuse his wife? Oh, God forbid. Amen? God forbid. Such should be unthinkable for any of us that a man would ever abuse his wife or hurt his wife. But what do men do? Men oftentimes abuse their own bodies, do they not? They hurt them on selves. Uh, we, uh, they hurt it through drink. They hurt it through, uh, they hurt it through uh, overexertion. Uh, they hurt their own bodies by doing all kinds of things to themselves and hurt themselves. Uh, but if you do that to your own body, you're a fool. But if you try to do that to your wife, you're also a fool. You'll suffer emotionally. You'll suffer mentally. If you you say, uh, how is it that if somebody abuses their wife, how is it that the man is also going to be hurt too? Because she is his body. She is his body. Number two, he shouldn't neglect her. Could a man neglect his own body? Of course he could. Of course he could. He could neglect his own body. He could neglect it, he could hurt it, he could fail to sleep, he could fail to not uh, eat right and all of those kinds of things, fail to get the proper rest, the proper water and all those kinds of things. But what about this? Could he neglect his wife? Yes, he could, but he should not. He should not neglect his wife. If you neglect your wife, then what will happen is that you will naturally suffer too. Some men, sadly, they act as if they don't even, aren't even married once they get married. They just completely neglect their wife. They're out doing and acting like a bachelor. That's not acceptable. I heard one preacher say one time that if he ever got invited to a social event, that he never accepted the invitation unless his wife was also invited. I thought, man, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty powerful. I know there's some things in business and in other things that your wife can't be with you at all times, in all places, in every single place. But if your wife can be with you somewhere, then husbands, your wife should be with you somewhere. She should be with you. She's a part of you. She is you, and you are her. You're one flesh, together, forever. Till death do us part, as it says. Why do men do this? Why do men neglect? Why do men abuse? Oftentimes, they they get bitter. The Bible says in Colossians 3.19, it says, Husbands, be not bitter against them. Another place it says, if you do so, he says, your prayers will be hindered. Your prayers will be hindered. How are you going to accomplish not doing this? By number understanding, being honest, don't be harsh. 
Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. If you've got an argument with your wife, then listen to me. Then you need to make sure that you solve that argument as quickly and as assuredly as possible. Maybe, maybe you say, well, I've got more time to solve it in the, in the summertime than I do in the wintertime. You know? uh, that's not what it means, okay? What it means is this, is that make sure that you resolve the issue as quickly as possible. I've always tried to have it a principle with Karis and I. If we've got a problem with each other, we try not to go to bed. We try to work the thing out, talk the thing out. Dis- we, do you disagree with your wife sometimes? Of course I disagree with my wife. I told you already there's two self-autonomous people living in one underneath one roof. Amen? You're going to have differences. You're going to have arguments. You're going to have, di- you're going to have disagreements. But you know what? You ought to live as she is yours and you're his. The husband, uh, sometimes the husband is always out working somewhere, doing something. And he seems to forget that he's a lazy man, or excuse me, a, a married man. This ought not to be also. It's not that you're just out having a fun time, but you can have neglect also in work. Be careful with that. I've known men in the ministry. I've known men in the ministry. Let me say that again. Men in the ministry that spend all their time in ministry helping other, helping other people, but they never help their wives. That's wrong. That's wrong. Your number one relationship is your wife, husbands. Number one. There's another person, there's another man that's lazy and always spends his time at home doing nothing. The home is not the dormitory where a man goes to sleep at, amen? That's not what the home is. A married man ought not act like a single man. He must act like a married man. We must not take our wives for granted either. I'm kind of working here from uh, hardest to simplest here, but he must be grateful. A man's wife is not his housekeeper. He's not his cook or his clean, cleaner. He's not just those kinds of things. She's not there just to change the dirty diapers. Amen? But rather, she is there to be his helpmeet. He is, she is as his body. Well, how should he treat his wife? Look in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7. Oftentimes, we as guys can come sometimes get the idea that the best way to treat my wife is just to get her something. Well, number one, you better make sure that you get her something that she likes, okay? All right? Okay? If you are going to go that route. But number two, understand that it's not just in giving gifts and in words, but true love comes from a man when he actually is willing to have sacrifice and concern for her happiness. Look at 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. See, there it is, that your prayers be not hindered. He says, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. According to knowledge. Let's just think about this. What, what, what do you like to eat? What do you like to eat? What do you enjoy eating? Somebody said this morning, said, I like brisket. I smell brisket over here. Amen? And if you're in Texas, you got to like brisket. Amen? Uh, I learned that when I first came here about 15 years ago. Uh, that, that, man, if you're going to be a Texan, if you're going to be a government, you got to eat brisket. you got to like brisket. I didn't even know what brisket was till I came to Texas. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't even know that it was a meat. I didn't even know anything. What's this, what's this biscuit? I know what biscuits are. What are you, what are you talking about, brisket here? 
And uh, I had no idea what, what a brisket was. I grew up in North, listen to me, I grew up in Lexington, North Carolina, all right? That is called the barbecue capital of the world, all right? For pigs, that's all, all right? That's all they serve is this, and they don't even serve, they don't even serve the ribs or anything else. They just serve Boston butt. That's all they serve. Shredded pork, that's all you can get over there. And uh, so I don't know how it became the barbecue capital of the world, uh, but I, I'm, I'm for that Lockhart is the barbecue capital of the world. And, uh, and you can get whatever kind of barbecue you want down there. I don't know how I got on the barbecue diet. Yes, that's what it was. Uh, what appeals to my palate? What do I like? You know what? That's how you ought to live with your wife. What does she like to do? Uh, I, was, uh, I was listening to a man one time, and he said uh, that uh, every time that he would go, they would go out to eat, he would say, uh, where would you like to go to his wife? And how many of you men have done that before? And, uh, and she goes, oh, I don't know, and uh, wherever you want to. And he said it wasn't until about 20 years into marriage, excuse me, about 15 years into marriage that they actually went to a marriage seminar, and they had to write down their favorite, few, their favorite foods. And he found out that his wife liked Italian and Chinese. And he, got her, and he looked over at her, and and he said, you like Italian and Chinese? 15 years, didn't even know she liked Italian and Chinese. So what, were the, what was he trying to do 15 years later? He was still trying to get to know his wife, all right? He was trying to get to know what she likes, what she doesn't like. And that's what we ought to do as husbands. That is our job. We dwell with him according to knowledge. You say, I, I wish she would just tell me what she is. Have you not figured out she's not going to tell you, okay? All right? She's not going to tell you. And if she does tell you, I can guarantee you this, in about 10 minutes it's going to change, okay? So make sure you dwell with him according to knowledge, to according to her diet. What does she like? What does she doesn't like? Develop her. That's what you ought to be doing. Exercise. You ought to dwell with him as your own, or she is your own body. You ought to exercise. Exercise in marriage. What's the exercise in marriage? Anybody know what exercise you're supposed to be doing in marriage? It's, it, involves, uh, it involves right here in this general direction. Talking, yes. This is the exercise, and that's the thing, that's the exercise that men, men will Men will pump the weights. I mean, they'll lift up. They'll, they'll run. They'll go through excruciating pain to try to get their bodies chiseled and things of that nature. But they do not like to talk. It was said in one survey that the average married couple talks 37 minutes a week. A week. 37 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Turn off the TV, turn off the phone. A man says, I'm tired. Have you realized that your wife is tired too? Consult her, talk to her. She is a part of you. Get her input on things. Before you were married, you talked to her all the time. You couldn't get enough of her. You always had to be calling her. She was tired of you talking to her. She had heard everything that she ever wanted to hear about you. Now you can't talk at all. What happened? You've gotten lazy. We've gotten complacent. She is now yours, you feel like, and I don't have to talk anymore. That's wrong. Exercise. Exercise, talk. Protect, protect. We protect our, look at things, as your own body. You protect your body from cold weather. You protect your body from certain things and something, certain ills in your life. You protect your body. We protect ourselves. We protect ourselves from criminals. We protect ourselves from frigid waters. We, your wife is the weaker vessel. It says it right there in 1 Peter 3, 7. He says, likewise you have dwell with him according to knowledge, giving honor unto wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now that doesn't mean that uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that she is uh, that you are stronger. But naturally speaking, is that uh, in most relationships that you'll find is that the husband is naturally stronger. 
And even, you might even say this, that you can all say that, that a woman and a man are completely and totally different. Now, our society has completely tried to change that up, right? And it's tried to put man and woman on the same level. And you know what? That is wrong and that is ungodly. That's unbiblical. And in the, the same level, how hurtful is it is to the, today to women athletes, amen, uh, that are trying to compete with men? How foolish is that? How ridiculous is that? Uh, men and women are not the same. There, there is uh, nothing that is called non-binary. You're either a male or a female, all right? Genetically speaking, it doesn't matter. Prove it out. Look at biology. Find it. It's very simple. It's very easy to understand. It's not what you think you are, okay? But our Bible says that giving honor to, as unto the weaker vessel, protect her, watch over her. Is she worrisome? Then why don't you help her to be more trusting? Is she outspoken? Then why don't you help her with that? Not that you're irritated or upset or that you condemn her or that you're hateful or that you're mean. Do you help her to overcome any of her issues? Do you help her to overcome her worry? Do you help her in that? Do whatever it can to defeat those weaknesses that she might have in her life. One of the things that I'll share with you, real personal, is this, is that my wife loves to make sure that the doors are locked at night. And she doesn't like to make sure that they're locked at night. She likes to make sure that they're doubly locked at night. Uh, did you make sure, make sure that they were locked? And I'm not always very good at that. And I need to be better at that because that gives her a assuredness that helps her to not worry. It helps her to be more at ease. And that's my job as a husband to make sure that she's more at ease and that she can overcome these weaknesses. What about infections? Think about the infections that we incur sometimes. We get a flu. What do you do? You take the, extra, you take the necessary uh, remedies to get well. If there's a very difficult problem in your marriage, you as a husband are responsible as the head of the home to take care of the issue. Make sure you're the one solving it. You're the one at the front of the matter. You're the one saying, I want to make sure this thing gets right. I want to make sure that this thing is solved and resolved. What about illnesses? Well, we ought to try to stay away from getting sick. You take your vitamins. You do whatever is necessary to, to make sure that you stay well. Make sure you do whatever it takes so that your wife, your wife is well pleased. We ought to do all things to please our wives. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. Do we do these things? Do we do these things? Because men, as it says back to Ephesians chapter number 5, it says men also ought to love their wives as their own bodies and then at the end of the chapter he says this he says nevertheless let every one of you in particular in particular one another so love his wife even as himself love your wives love your wives as your own body Christ loved us with a sacrificial love, with a sacrificial love. May we love our wives in such a way too. Father, we're thankful for the word of God.